Morning. morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, doing well. Doing well. It is a good day. It's a good day to be together. It's always good to come together into God's house and to worship together and to just hear what he has to say to us. Um, For those of you who may not know, we are in a series this summer. We're looking at the, um, we're kind of unpacking various sides of the the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son. And uh, so if you want to, in between Sundays, if you wanna kinda just take time to get, that, get to know that story better, it's in Luke chapter 15. You can read that and read the stories around it. We've looked at those as well, but um, we've just had a good, uh, good time kinda digging into that. We're gonna continue that this morning, maybe on a little bit different kind of an angle on it than maybe you've, you've thought about before, but I'm looking forward to this. Um, how many of you guys have ever thought about what your home is known for? What your home is known for? Some homes are known for laughter. Some are known for like good food. Some are known for like hospitality. Or have you ever been in a house where you just walk in and it's just kind of this really quiet, restful place? You just feel calm as soon as you walk in. You know, when when we were growing up, um, I remember that our friends used to love to come over to our house at like mealtime. And it wasn't just about the the meal. Um, We had seven people in our family and there was always this banter that went on. And we just thought that's what all families did. And we just, but they would love to just watch. They just kind of sit back because humor was a part of it and just this kind of constant back and forth. And they just thought it was kind of fascinating to watch. Um, That's what our home was known for. Um, There are some houses that are known for darker things. There are some homes that are known for just the tension that's always there or just the sadness that's there. Some houses are known for whether it's abuse or deceit or addictions that are there. But all houses are known for something, right? So the question is, what is God's house known for? What is God's house known for? In the story that Jesus tells about the prodigal son, there's this young man that leaves and he thinks that he's gonna go build for himself this life and it's gonna be a better life as long as, because he's not gonna have his father interfering. So he figures without that, it's gonna be, he's gonna be able to do what he's always wanted to do. But then his, his plan, it falls apart. Just everything comes unglued. And he, it says that he found his way back. In fact, he knew he was drawn back to the house. The thing that brought him home was what he remembered that he had left. What came to him was, oh yeah, my father's house is like this what his father's house was known for, and it brought him back home. So what is God's house known for? What is it that draws us home? You know, in Romans, it says that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. It's his grace. It's, his, it's the way that he pours out, um, the way that he pursues us, the way that he relentlessly chases after us in order that we might know him, in order that he might rescue us. It's the way that he, he gives, shows us his goodness and his provision and his protection and his love. You know, this morning, what I had intended to talk about, because God's house is known for a lot of things, what I had intended to talk about was gonna come out of Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, it talks about how God's people are known for this, that we, we are those who leverage everything that we have on behalf of others the way that we see, have seen God leverage everything he had on behalf of us. Right, that's an important one. But as I started preparing this message, I realized God wanted to go somewhere else. Yeah, somewhere that was kind of more foundational, more essential, more important for us to understand. So stand with me. We're gonna look at a psalm this morning. It's Psalm 100. 
As we look into one of these, this characteristic that I think is on God's heart that he wants us to know, this is what my house is known for. Psalm 100, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful cries and know that the Lord himself is God. He made us. We did not make ourselves. We are his people and the flock of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his steadfastness goes to generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. God's home is known for many things, but one of the most fundamental things that is found in God's house is praise, is worship. It's just a sense of just joy, just can't be contained. You guys, it is so important that we see God establish that here. That kind of joy, that kind of, that kind of praise that just erupts here, that kind of celebration. When people go off and wander, if they have come in and they have, they have tasted and they have seen these people that are just filled with this joy because of what God has done, if they see that and they go wandering off when their life falls apart and crashes and burns, that is one of the things that brings them back because they say, you know what, I wonder if that God, I wonder if that God that, that has done so much for them, I wonder if he would do that for me. Today's message is titled House Fires. Father God, a lot of times we think of house fires as a bad thing, but the fires of the home, that's not a bad thing at all. The things that we remember that were the warmth and the, where we found life and where we found that sustenance. God, those are good things. And the fire of your house is the praise of your people. We can't help it. You've done so much for us. We live in a constant memory, just remembrance of everything that you've given, everything that you've done, everything you rescued us from, everything you've rescued us to. God, these are the fires. These are the, this is the, the hearth in your home. So God, light that up, light that up. Light it up in us, establish us here in this place. Come Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, that we would hear you, that we would be changed by you, that we have been we have been remade by you. I'm not asking for a new transformation. I, God, just show us how to let that thing out. Let it out. This world doesn't need to see us. They need to see you and they need to see what you've done because it has changed everything in us. So Father, come this morning, do that work. We pray in Jesus' name for your glory, Father, for your glory, by the power of your spirit. Amen, amen. Have a seat.
so some of you guys know the, the church offices are up here and every up on the hill in this condo and, and uh, every so often across the street at Cole Middle School, they'll have this some fire drill and we won't know it. There's an alarm that goes off inside, you know, but all of a sudden we'll see everybody come pouring out, you know, so the teachers and the kids that come pouring out and they're just kind of standing around, but they're just, they, they come pouring out of the building and, and it's not crazy and it's not chaotic because they know there's no fire, right? And so they're not like running and screaming, but there's, but they're, they're coming out and they're practicing and because that's what drills are. We practice so that if the real thing happens, things aren't crazy and chaotic. We know what to do. And so we practice things. Well, the question is, what do you do if the thing we're preparing for, what if it's not a catastrophe? What if it's not we're practicing for a fire? What if we're not practicing for like an evacuation of a hurricane or something like that? What if we're, what if we're practicing for a celebration? What if we're getting ready for a, a, a celebration, just a, a, a time of rejoicing, a time of, of just um, something good has happened in responding to that? How do you prepare for that? You know, when the prodigal son came home, the father starts calling this stuff out. He says, go grab the ring, go get the shoes, get the robe, go kill the fatted calf because we're going to have a party. Now, if those servants, if they didn't know where the ring was kept, right? If they didn't already know where the robe, what robe he was talking about, if they didn't know where the shoes were that he wanted for his son, that would have been a catastrophe, right? It wouldn't have, it would have been a nightmare. It wouldn't have been a celebration. They would have been fumbling all over themselves. If they would have never if they had never thought about having a party before that moment, and he said, go kill the fatted calf because we're going to have a party, it, it, would have gone, it would have gone haywire completely. But when you read this story, you get the sense that they knew, there were, they knew what they were doing. As soon as the father said that, they knew what they were doing. In fact, you read into the story and you start realizing that the whole house knew how to respond to this. As soon as they got word of it, they knew, hey, it's time to go to the, big, you know, to the main house because we're having a party. They're, they've killed a fatted calf. That means something. And we want to be there for it. It seems like they had been doing this before. right? They had been practicing. They've been doing celebration drills. In Psalm 100, in Psalm 100, you get the sense that God, he desires, but also that he, he demands. He expects that his house be filled with this kind of celebration, with this kind of practicing this kind of preparation for celebrations that are just over the horizon. That he expects that we would be, that we, this place would be filled with shouts of joy and with these cries of thanksgiving and outbursts of praise and this, this blessing of his name, just this constant ongoing worship. But you read that and you go, how do you demand something like that, right? Serve the Lord with gladness and be happy about it, you know? <laughs> If that's not in you, you can't command it out, right? I can't demand, be happy, you know, okay. So where does that joy come from, right? Where does that gladness come from? The, the joy that God expects to be in his house. He's not expecting something that he hasn't, he never does. He never expects something that he hasn't already paved the way for, amen? Amen. So he's already made the way for it. So where does it come from? Well, last week, you remember, last couple of weeks, I've said this a couple of times, and it just stands out over and over again. You remember in this story about the prodigal son, the reality is this, is that there's only one son that hasn't run away from home, right? That was Jesus. There's only one son that stayed by God's side. 
is Jesus. Now, for the story's sake, I know that he has his son out there. We're gonna talk about that. But in reality, there's only one son that has. The rest of us, we've all abandoned God at some point. We've all, we've all uh, um, rebelled against him. We've all chosen to go out and just do our own thing instead of doing what he has asked us to do. To the point, Romans 3, 10 through 12 says this. There is none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks God all have turned aside, together they've become useless. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has caused the sins of all of us to fall on him, right? So the, all of us are the prodigals. Jesus is the only, there's only one son who stayed home and the rest of us are the prodigals. And what that means then is that this house that God, God's family is filled with, those who have been out, and we are those who have already been found and been brought back, right? We, God's house is only, the only people there are one, Jesus, and us, <laughs> the rest, who have been the sheep that have gone astray. We are the ones who have seen God pull our life from the pit and set our feet on solid ground. We are the ones who have seen God go out as a shepherd and look over every hill and in every valley to find us and to dig us out of that and to carry us back home. We're the ones who have seen God use all his resources to search around with a lamp in the dark crevices and corners until he finds us his treasure. We're the ones who have seen God set up his house so that when we struggled and when everything fell apart, that he had given us a memory so that we remembered, oh, my father's house, so that when everything fell apart, we would make our way back to his home. That's who we are, right? And God has found us. And when we got there, what we found out was that there wasn't just a celebration for us. But that what happened beyond that day is that now we live every single day in the knowledge that when we got home, we found room in God's grace to come home, right? So every day we stand in the, the, just the wonder of just saying, I can't believe that I'm here. And not only, he didn't just squeak me in as like a, as a hired hand. No, he said, bring the robe and bring the shoes and bring the ring and kill the fatted calf so I can show the joy that is in my heart because this one came home. So ongoing praise and celebration in God's house is because everybody in there lives in this constant sense of the overwhelming just grace that we're, we're even here. And the way that God just keeps pouring out and pouring out and pouring out his goodness on us and in us and to us and around us. And that it comes from the hand of the one that we had defied. We had completely disrespected, disregarded, rejected, despised him and ran away, insulted you know, we sing a song uh, here. We sing this song and it has these words. It says, there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today and I won't be silent. I, I won't be silent. We won't be silent. We're gonna shout out our praise. Amen. Why? 
Man, you know, whenever you get a glimpse into heaven, whenever the Bible like pulls back the curtain, you see into heaven, always you see that happen. There's always these shouts. There's just, just constant, just noise of praise, of worship going on. In, in um, Isaiah 6, there are these huge, just massive, powerful spiritual beings called, called seraphs. And they're called seraphs. And, and seraph literally means one who is burning. And it's not just burning. It's like this forest fire. It's like this this firestorm going on. And that's what they are. And it says that they are just constantly calling back to each other and it shakes the doorways of heaven because they're just calling back, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole heavens and earth are filled with his glory. Holy, holy, just constantly rumbling and going on. And then in Revelation 5, you have these four creatures that are these odd creatures and these 24 elders that are standing before the throne and they're constantly, they're singing, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb who is slain to open the book, worthy is the lamb who is slain, who has bought all men and, and women of all nations and all, all, all people and, and has brought them together by his own blood and they're singing worthy. And then it says, and then there are thousands while they're doing this, thousands and thousands of angels who are shouting, shouting on top of that singing, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches. It's like they can't, they can't come up with enough. Power and riches and, and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And, and, and they go on and on and they're shouting. And while they're doing that, it says that everything, every created thing in heaven and on earth and even under the earth, whatever that means, right, is shouting, is saying also to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And then the four creatures fall down on their faces and say, amen. And the 24 elders are falling down on their faces and worshiping the lamb. And then two chapters later in Revelation 7, it says, then they're joined by what is described as this great multitude from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, every people. And, and, and they're standing there before the lamb and before the throne and they're clothed in white and they're holding these palm branches and they're, they're crying out in a loud voice. And they're saying, salvation to our God, salvation to our God and to him who sits under the throne and to, and to the lamb. And while they're doing this, it says that the angels and the elders and the creatures, they're falling down again on their faces and they're, they're saying, amen, 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 blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Again, just on and on be to, the, to our God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, amen. Then chapter 10, more of the same. Chapter 14, more of the same. Chapter 16, 15, 16, 19, more of the same, just over and over. Every time you get a glimpse into heaven, they're just constantly this praise and this, this celebration, this glory for what God has done. We get to Luke 15, and it says, you know what? When one sinner turns, there's joy that just erupts in heaven. When one sinner turns back to Jesus, there is... <laughs> There's a celebration that goes on among the angels and you're seeing a glimpse of it in, Rome, in, in Revelation. You're seeing this glimpse of just this eruption of praise. God, I can't believe that you did it again. You did it again. You did it again and again. So celebration and worship, I mean, for the one who made our rescue possible, for the one who laid down his life, the lamb that was slain, laid down his life so that we could be brought to God. It's just constant, it's just ongoing, ongoing. You know, when you really read scripture and you see how the house of God erupts in praise, and not just erupts in praise over what happens, but just how the people of God are filled with praise because we realize what happened. 
right? We know it. We're living in it, right? When you read that, it makes you think, you know, if we're not completely overwhelmed with praise and thanksgiving and, and, just, and just shouts and, and sometimes silent, just, just shut down because of what we, we can't even come up with the words or just tears are just falling on our faces. If we're not, if we're not, if that's not just constantly overtaking us, we either are not home yet, right? Or else we're not paying attention. We're just not paying attention. We're not really paying attention to what happened. God says, you know what? If that's what goes on in the heavenly places, there are some things that should happen in the earth as well. Why? Because we may live here, but we're not of here anymore. Right? We have been, there's this new creation that has been created in us that stands in the righteousness of Jesus. There's no more sin that binds us up. There's no more brokenness that rules us. Death doesn't even have say in our life anymore. He's created that in us, and we walk in that. That life is ours now. It's not, it's not to wait till we get to heaven and then we get this new life. It's, it's now. We get to go to heaven because we already have it now. We are already of heaven. Amen? So he says there should be some things that happen on earth, and the things that happen on earth should reflect what happens in heaven. Because we should be those who are constantly overwhelmed by the grace of God as we just stand in his presence. We say, God, I can't, I can't believe that I'm here. I can't believe that I have access to God, to the, my Father in heaven. How in the world? I had, I had done everything not to deserve that, and he brought me back. How did that happen? So what happens on earth, it should reflect what happens in heaven. Because heaven's, heaven is is our home. We are part of that. What we read in Revelation, what we read in Isaiah, we are part of that already. We're part of that already. We're gonna join in the party. We understand the party that's going on because it is here. It's already in us. So our worship should reflect the worship of heaven because that's our reality. The question is, why would we ever hold that back? If we were standing before Jesus right now, which we are, right? Is he here? So if we're standing before Jesus, can you imagine when, when you see him face to face, what your reaction is gonna be when you come to full realization of what he did? Because he says we live in that. We live in that. We live in that reality every day of what he has done. He reached into a pit and he pulled us out. He set our feet on a dry ground. He, uh, a solid rock. He, he took us who had no name. who had We were, we were wandering without, without God, without hope in this world. And he said, no, I'm going to make you not just my servant. I'm going to make you my child. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to stand before him? He says, you know what? That, it's, it's already real. It's already real. So he says, the second thing is, is, you know, there should be things, you know, we are the rescued. We are the ones who are, we are wearing that robe 
of his, of his favor. We, are, we have the shoes that show that we're his children, not his servants. We are wearing that, that ring that says we, have, we stand in his authority now as his people. We're already that. So it says, you know, there should be things that happen here. And one of the, there are two, two sides to that. One should be, man, we live in that. So the praise that we bring, it's, it's, it's real. It's, it's, you know, if it's not, we're not home or we're not awake yet because it's, it's already real. So we bring him praise because he deserves our praise. And not just because we're commanded. Not just because he's so big and great. He did everything for us. Everything. He deserves everything we have. Wisdom, glory, riches, strength, honor, blessing. All of it. All of it. But the second thing is this. We should be worshiping both in celebration because we know, because we live in it. We're overwhelmed by it. But also, we are worshiping because we're preparing right? We're always practicing. We're practicing in our worship because the next person that comes wandering through those doors that finds Jesus is like, okay, it's party time, right? <laughs> right? We know what they're, they're experiencing. They just walked into life from death. We know what that is. So it's like, okay, so it's time to party, right? And God's like, yeah, it's time. Kill the fatty calf. You know, there we go again, right? That's what we do. So we practice, we, we get ready, and we're practicing. We're preparing for that day that we see him. We're practicing, we're preparing for the day when he, when he face to face, he walks through that, <laughs> comes through the clouds, and we see him. I wanna, I wanna be ready for that. I wanna have the words, I wanna have the heart. I wanna have the practice, I wanna know what I wanna say. I want to know how to just, just let myself go in it. So we practice. We prepare. Because he is present, but he's going to be, there's going to come a day that we're going to stand before him and we're going to join those thousands and thousands that Revelation said, you can't even count them. And they're all standing and they're just saying, salvation belongs to our God. Worthy is the lamb who is slain. Receive all glory and power and blessing and honor and wisdom and strength. <laughs> because they belong to him alone. You guys, God's house is known. It's known. Known for worship. It's known for worship. God's people are known for their praise. We serve the Lord with gladness. We don't serve because we're constrained, we're commanded. We serve because we were lost and now we're found. We're his, we're his children. We have authority in this house. We have authority in his name. But there's no question that we serve his heart. We serve his heart. His heart is, it was his heart that loved us enough to reach and rescue us. So we enter his gates with singing. We enter his courts with praise. We bless his name because he good. He's good. And his loving kindness, it doesn't just, it doesn't just reach, it's not just everlasting in terms of time, in terms of length of time. It is deeper than we can ever even fathom. It's higher than we can imagine. It is wider than we can ever grasp. <laughs> it will outlast everything. 
And it's relentless, right? Chase us after generation, after generation, after generation, after generation. God keeps showing up. He keeps relentlessly pursuing us with that love and that grace and keeps searching and seeking and calling us home. And when people see, when people walk into this place and they see people authentically praising God out of hearts that understand the depth of what we have been rescued from and who he is and the love that he has poured out and grace that he has overwhelmed us with. When people come in and they see that and then they go wandering off, they go wandering off and their lives fall apart. You know what they remember? They remember that God. They remember that God who has a people like that It's almost like they get to taste a bit of his goodness through even the story and the praise that we bring. Because he's good. His loving kindness is everlasting. (laughs) So the question for us is why, why would we ever, ever hold back? Why would we ever in any way hold back in this place? from the worship and the praise that we would bring to our God. Amen? You guys, we're, we're gonna end this, this message. We're gonna end this service the same as we always do. We always have a worship song at the end. This is a song, it's a song of dedication commitment, but this is a song of worship. And I, I, I just wanna, I wanna say a couple of things just in thinking about it. You guys, um, worship isn't something that ends when we finish singing a song. Worship is something because we live in it. We live in the grace so the worship will always, I mean, it should be something that, it's something you carry with you. It's something as you're walking through your day, it should just be spilling out all over the place. It just should. Or else we're not paying attention. This world's gonna pass away, but that will never leave. We're anchored into it. And I am so thankful. But today, as we, as we enter into the song to close out our service, a couple of things. These are just notes to think about, right? <laughs> One, listen to what you're singing. Sometimes we just go through songs and we say, you know, I'm not sure I like that song. And so I... Whatever. <laughs> I'm going to go off on a tangent here real quick. I was a music major in college, and I was exposed to styles of music that, yes, none of us, I mean, we, we get, we have these, like, these preferences that are about that wide sometimes, you know. When you talk about, you go throughout the world, and the music that lights some people up isn't, you're like, I don't even like that song. I don't even like that music. There are, there are musics in this world <laughs> that they use scales that we, they use notes we don't even have. They're like halfway between or three chord, and they can, they know them. They know those. They know when you're off, right? And, and they would throw us off so bad. To come in and say, nah, I'm not sure I like that one. Get over it. We gotta get over ourselves. We gotta. It's not about the song. It's about the worship. So listen to what you're singing. Listen to what you're saying. 
And if you agree with it, let your heart sing it, say it, speak it, pray it. I don't care what, shout it. I don't care. But, but enter into it. So listen to what you say. Second, free up the worship that is in you. Now, you don't have to overdo it because you have nothing to prove to anybody in this room. You have nothing to prove to God. He's already proved himself to us. This is a response to that. It's nothing to do with that. But do not, do not constrain yourself when you're in worship. Don't. We don't do that here. There's too much that we've just, just been poured out in us. Why would, we, why would we ever hold back? So you don't have to go over the top, but man, do not hold back. If you're sitting there and words are coming that you just wanna speak to God, say those. It's not about singing the song. It's about expressing your worship. So just worship. And if those songs give expression to your heart, then sing them. Make them known. If you don't, there are people that they say, well, I'm not very musical. I love when people quote that verse that's in the King James. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? You guys all know that. Because it doesn't say sing perfectly. It just says, just, just let the worship out. Let your thanks and your praise and the glory, just give God the glory that he deserves. Third thing. And this is just for us to know. You guys, when we have a worship team that's up here, they are not up here to try and work hard enough to make you feel like worshiping. That's not their job. They're not up here to inspire you, to maybe pull you out of the depths of yourself and make you think about worship. They are here to lead God's people. We become the choir that joins with them. We're part of that team and we are all coming before Jesus and just saying this is our thanks. This is our praise. So don't wait for them to inspire you somehow. They're great. They always, I mean, they, they bring whatever they got. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, BJ's sitting there and they're going, you were really thin on our, on our team. We don't have all the parts. We don't have all the production people. We don't have all the things that we need to get this worship out, but we're gonna bring it anyway. Why? Because, <laughs> right. But that's what we do. We have to worship and we have to join in it. We have to join them in it and bring our praise to God. So it doesn't come from here and somehow light. It comes from here because we are, we're bringing God our worship. We're bringing Jesus our praise and we're also getting ready, right? We're practicing and we're praising. So worship, amen?